What's up, guys? Uh, for anybody that's tuning in, um, <laughs> uh, so obviously I'm going to be doing things a little bit differently as far as the podcast goes, uh, just based on how everything went with MaydayCon. Uh, I'm going to start doing YouTube broadcasts. Never really thought I would say YouTube broadcasts um, because every time I've seen the word booktube, I kind of throw up a little bit in my mouth. Um, <laughs> but uh, apparently it might be a thing now. Um, because I was able to so easily pull audio from the videos I did for the convention, I'm like, you know what? Might as well have it to where people can see my beautiful face every time too. And, <laughs> and the wonderful authors that I have. Hey, Misty. Uh, the wonderful authors that I have uh, you know, populating my other part of the video. So, uh, but yeah, I've got Tim Meyer uh, on this evening. Hello, Tim. How are Hi, you? Hi, good. How are you? Doing well. How are, uh, so what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am drinking Stone Scorpion Bowl IPA. Oh, man. So I guess I got to bring my can out of my out of my. It's koozie. pretty delicious. <laughs> IPAs. I'm drinking uh, Sour Pash from uh, Avondale. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm big on sours nowadays. Uh, I think we talked about this on our podcast. Chat. I think so. It's, uh, but it's always it's my go-to, man. Yeah. It really is. I mean – Beer is you can always talk about beer, right? Yeah, definitely. I haven't been <laughs> into sours lately. Um, I can't even, I think I got a, a variety pack and that had some sours in it, but I, I don't even know who that was from. So, um, I'm just not not big on sours, they're not my favorite. Oh, okay, but you'll drink them, I mean, if I'll they're drink available, them, right? Of course. Of course. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm different. IPAs, like, if they're available, can I'll be like. You got anything else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't like the IPAs. I'm finding out. So I, maybe like, it's—I don't know if it's the bitterness. Uh, see, that's what, what I love about it, though. I love the bitterness. See, I think my my thing for sours is like all the sour candy I ate growing up, mm. and it's, it just kind of like replaces it. See, that's a little bit. Like, I was never in a sour patch kids. Like I never got into to those sour tart candies see, mine was mine was warheads growing up man it, oh, was, okay. it was it was the warheads challenge see how many you could you know eat at the same time so yeah never, <laughs> never did it for me but that would well, if you ever if you ever get the chance they still make warheads and you got it you got to get a bag of the lemon i've had them before i've had them no i'm saying if you want to do the challenge if you oh, want to <laughs> and then and then you can see if it develops your your taste for sour beers. it probably will <laughs> it probably will <laughs> not 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 this late in the game right nah. <laughs> nope so uh so what you've been up to since uh i guess our last chat a couple months ago I mean, uh obviously nothing. probably not a whole lot yeah <laughs> um I'm in quarantine mode, so I haven't left my house since like mid-March, um, except to like walk around the block and do some outdoor activities that involve no human contact. Uh, so yeah, I've just been hanging in. Yeah, pretty boring, but I've been writing a lot, so that's good. Hey, that's good. So okay, uh, I need to know a little bit about this fantasy novel that oh. you. Uh... You, you told me about you kind of you kind of threw it in there a little bit in a, in a Twitter DM. I, yeah, can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, it's really early to even give you what it's about. I don't even know what it's about. It's so early. Um, I'm still like in the rough draft. I got like thirty thousand words down. Um, and yeah, I don't know where it's going or what it's gonna be. <laughs> um, but it's it's. 
I guess you would call it grimdark. I'm not like too familiar Ooh. with fantasy, but um, I guess that's the proper term for it. So it doesn't really have like magic or anything in it, but it takes place in like a like a Game of Thrones esque setting. But okay. um, I, it's also like Star Wars ish. So it's like Star Wars, Game of Thrones, and like Dark Tower, like all mixed together. That's what it is so far. <laughs> nice. I don't know what it's going to end up being, but that's what it is so far at thirty thousand words. So okay, yeah, uh, you, you may need to go watch that Grimdark panel just to, to find out if, if that's where you're at. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what Grimdark is. It sounded right. I, I don't. I don't have the definition sitting next to me, but it's it's basically uh, a really dark setting doesn't have to be super you know bloody or gory mm. and your characters can have no redeeming values does that sound like your novel <laughs> um kind of yeah actually okay. <laughs> um, then, then you're then you're grimdark wait does that have a love story there might be it hasn't okay developed. then it could be grim heart which is which is which is a new newish term I that literally like that. only yeah I so like so ed, ed mcdonald coined that term with his uh series is called the raven's mark trilogy okay. Uh, and he kind of coined it because he's like, it's it's a grimdark setting, but it's a love story. I don't know if it has like a love story in it, but it might. Like, there's, there's it doesn't. It doesn't at the moment. Yeah, so many <laughs> things could happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a standalone or a series. Like I just don't know. I'm just kind of like my first drafts. I just kind of try to get it all out there and then yeah. sort through the mess later. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get it all out on the paper and then whatever it becomes it becomes we'll, we'll, we'll see after that i got yeah you. yeah i i uh i i kind of i kind of started a novel uh i i don't know what day was this i think it was it was it was a day like earlier this week uh randomly my brain woke me up at like 4 a.m uh i think it was like tuesday and was like hey book idea and i go no go away i want to go to sleep and it's like no <laughs> Seriously, book idea. And I go, seriously, shut up. And I would really like to get to sleep. And next thing you know, like I'm sitting here typing in notes on my on my iPhone. And I wrote uh, a thousand word prologue. Nice. At four in the morning, like sitting up in bed, just like going at it. And uh, that's awesome. I, I had a couple of people read it already. And they, and they said it actually sounded okay. And I go, all right, have I written anything since then? No. Uh, last thing, <laughs> you better uh, you better finish the entire book before that baby comes, though. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I'm gonna be like sitting there, like writing at the hospital. <laughs> Good thing is, though, you'll be up pretty much all night with the baby, so at least you'll have something to work on while you're exactly while you're rocking him to sleep. You could rock him to sleep in one hand and type with the other. It'll be a good situation right. for you. Yeah, I, I I feel like I always hear that uh, that a lot of I guess your brainstorming and stuff happens like early in the morning or maybe late at night when it's super quiet and everybody else is asleep. Yeah. <laughs> is is that mean, true? I tend to do all my writing in the morning while everybody's asleep because it's the only time I have like peace and quiet time. So yeah. uh, that's what works for me. But I also try like if I can sneak an hour in throughout the day somewhere, I try to do that as well. Um I don't know. I don't really have like a specific time though. It's just kind of like I have to, my time is so limited to write that I need to like turn it on whenever I have the opportunities. Otherwise right. I'll never get any writing done if I just wait for, for the right time, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, 
And, you know, I, I told a few people, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of got a taste for what you writer types, you know, go through about, you know, when you get an idea, you've got to get it down or you're going to lose it. Yeah. Because uh, I've had that a couple of times where I've told my wife, I was like, oh, God, this is a really great idea. She goes right down. I was like, no, 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 I remember it. And, you know, <laughs> two hours later, it's just completely gone. Yeah, I um, do that. I keep a notebook with like all my ideas in them. So I just have like a giant ass notebook that has like 50 to 60 ideas for novels and short stories. So do you ever just like look at it, you know, a couple of days later and go, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah, kind of all the time. <laughs> I know it's funny. Like I have that notebook, but any new project I start is usually a fresh idea that I come up with. And those have been sitting there for like five to six years waiting to be written. But like sometimes then I'll get an idea and I'll just run with that instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, it's weird. Yeah. I'm just the word. It, it, I mean, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You'll find I, out. I'm not going to consider myself a writer yet. I, I, I haven't written enough. Hey man, as, long, <laughs> as long as you write, you're a writer. Okay. So is writing reviews, does that count? Yeah, man. Okay. Counts. Okay. I'm a writer then add, <laughs> add that to my tagline. There you go. <laughs> Um, all right. So obviously I know we did this kind of chat to, uh, to do your little short story, but, um, just kind of going through a few other things. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about your collection, Black Star Constellations, and then we'll get into the reading. Yeah. Um, so it is a collection of 22, uh, short stories of varying length. There's some flash fiction in there. There's actually six of the short stories are um, interconnected. They all take place at the same uh, site, um, which is where Black Star Constellations, the title comes from. So, and they're like interspersed throughout. So like the first story takes place at the Black Hill. Uh, and then there's like a second story, a couple stories in and so, so on and so forth. Uh, and yeah, it's just a mixture of, of all different types of stories that I've uh, had published in other places, some that were written specifically for the collection. So yeah, I'm pretty proud okay. of it. I, I enjoy it. I gotcha. Um, so I'll kind of, if you're ready, I'll let you kind of introduce the story you're going to, you're going to read. Um, I'll, I'll pop it on. So only, you're the only one on screen um, <laughs> and, and just kind of take it away. And then when you're done, we'll, we'll chat for a few more minutes, maybe talk about some stuff you've got upcoming and cool, man. Uh, anything else. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Awesome. Have at it. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to be reading a story called how to kill a bear with a bow and arrow. All right. Milo Medlock sat in a tree, the tallest oak in Red River, and waited for the bear. He'd seen the report on TV last night. A black bear had been spotted sometime between six and nine, going through garbage cans on Southland Drive near the bay. Three people reported the bear's presence, and one of them had stood on their porch and shouted at the beast, hoping the loud noises would spook off the bear. But it hadn't. According to the report, the bear had ignored all human requests and continued sifting through the garbage for edibles. Once it had finished, it hustled into the nearby woods, and no one had ever seen or heard from the beast since, though the newscasters hadn't been shy about pointing out that the bear could reemerge any time it pleased. Milo aimed his bow and arrow down at the ground. It'd been years since he'd shot a thing, and only dug it out for occasions like this. He wasn't ordinarily a hunter. He'd never killed an animal his entire life, unless he counted flies and the occasional hornet. Never killed anything bigger than his thumb. But... When times called for it, when the neighborhood was under attack by bears or 
criminals posing as post office workers, Milo Medlock grabbed his bow and arrow. True story. About two years ago, Milo and his wife, Tilda, were watching the news one afternoon when a report came across the screen informing the good people of Red River to be on the lookout for a dangerous criminal posing as a mailman. Apparently, the scumbag was knocking on doors, pretending to deliver the mail, and then breaking into houses. Milo, not having a gun in the house to protect his family from the outside threat, had gone straight for the bow and arrow, the one his father had made for him when he was just a small boy almost 40 years ago. Tilda thought the idea was ridiculous. She thought most of his ideas were, but she couldn't convince him to keep the doors locked and windows shut instead of sitting on the roof and scoping out potential burglars dressed like mailmen. Just let the authorities handle it, you schmuck, she had told him. Who do you think you are, Robin Hood? He told her that he obviously wasn't Robin Hood, but he was a pretty good shot. He practiced regularly in the, gar in the garage with targets, beer cans, and such. He'd never entered any archery competitions, but Roman, a friend from the office, always encouraged him to do so. But Milo wasn't the confident type, and he never could bring himself to complete the online form for the Red River's annual archery contest. He'd known how well he could shoot, but what if there was someone better, someone more accurate, someone who could split his own bullseye down the center of his arrow, just like in the movies? He didn't think he could handle that kind of defeat, even though he'd hit that mailman when he'd come strolling up the driveway with no car behind him, no sack of mail on his back, hit him right where he intended. Luckily, it had been the burglar. Otherwise, there might have been legal repercussions for a sure shot. He hit the thug right in the leg, through the calf, and made sure not to inflict a mortal wound. He could have if he wanted to. If he had wanted to. If I'd wanted to, he thought, as he shifted in his makeshift tree stand. He was by no means a hunter, had never even given the sport any thought. Something about killing innocent animals made him uneasy. But what about the bear? Wasn't he innocent? After all, the bear hadn't done anything. Not really. It had invaded a suburban street and raided some garbage cans for food. It'd probably been hungry. It just needed some snacks, something to get by on until something better came along. No harm in that. It wasn't a man-eater, for Christ's sakes. It hadn't left the street a bloody mess of haphazardly thrown people parts. It had done nothing except to attempt to satisfy its most basic need, to eat. And it hadn't shed a drop of human blood to do so. Not yet. And that was where Milo Midlock drew the line. He wanted to remain proactive. Like the situation with the mailman imposter, he wanted to down the beast before it could inflict any damage on the community. Sure, it started with a few overturned trash cans, but what came next? A few butchered people? Kids shredded like rag dolls on their way home from school? What if the animal wandered into that 65 and older community down the block? Granny might be watering her front lawn one minute, getting her fucking arm ripped off the next. Milo didn't need that. Not in his neighborhood. Not when he had the means to do something about it. You'll never kill that bear, Tilda had warned him. You don't have the sack. She'd continued to smoke her Marlboro Reds and watch Drew carry on the television. She was only 40, but she acted twice her age, constantly nagging and crotchety. She'd been the reason Milo collected so much overtime, why he spent so much time in the garage with his bow and arrow and his almost endless supply of Miller High Life. You said the same thing about the mailman who wasn't a mailman, Milo had told her. Said I wouldn't get him. Not what I said, numbnuts. She'd scoffed then between drags of her smoke. Said you'd get yourself killed, and unfortunately I was goddamn wrong about that. You know, you're a miserable wench, you know that? She'd ignored his comment, acted as if he hadn't said anything at all. He'd leaned his head against the wall and breathed in a cl cloud of secondhand smoke. He'd coughed something fierce and his asthma instantly flared. Would it kill you not to smoke in the house? You know I have trouble breathing. 
She flipped him the bird. Sitting in the tree was peaceful. Milo breathed in the fresh atmosphere, his lungs full of healthy, clean air. It made him happy being alone, happy to breathe, happy to be amongst the silence of nature, those intermittent sounds of birds twittering and branches swaying, the swoosh of wind passing through the trees. He closed his eyes and thought he was in heaven. He had no desire to head back, back home to where hell awaited. Milo hadn't any idea where to start. He'd watched a few YouTube videos on bear hunting, but it hadn't seemed like a big enough sport. All the hunting videos featured deer or duck, and even less of them featured the bow and arrow. Everything was shotguns or rifles, mostly rifles, and those videos bored him. How hard was it to put down an animal using a gun? Seriously, at close enough range, a kill was almost automatic with a gun. Pull the trigger, and the gun delivers instant death. No skill there. Now, to kill the bow and arrow, one needed to be close, real close, but not too close, especially to a bear. Too close meant your head was coming off. Too close meant instant death for you. Milo had found one bear hunting video he liked and watched it several times. One of the things the video preached was making sure to procure the proper license. Bear licenses were issued at certain times of the year, depending on your state, and the instructor of the video told him not all states allowed bear hunting and to check the local gun shops for more details. Milo had done his research. New Jersey allowed black bear hunting, and sure enough, black bears were in season. He'd gone down to the local Waldo Mart and got himself good and registered. He was now licensed to kill bears. Bet you're after that black bear everyone keeps talking about, the guy behind the gun counter had said to him. Milo had nodded. Well, good luck, partner. Got any bait? Bait. The question had caught Milo by surprise. What do you mean? Need bait to catch a bear? The gun salesman had shrugged. How else are you going to get that close? Milo hadn't thought about bait. He thought he'd peruse the forest that bordered Red River and hopefully pick up the garbage sniffer's trail. That was what the YouTube video had taught him to do. Bait hadn't crossed his mind. Now, in the tree, he looked down at his bait. It was a good choice, he thought, and he wondered if anyone else would agree. Probably not, he thought, smiling. Don't worry, he called down. That bear will be along soon, and this will all be behind us. His bait stifled a cry and called something back, words which were ignored. He'd heard something rustle amongst the leaves, and when he looked down in the direction of the sounds, he spotted a cluster of green foliage bouncing back and forth. Something had disturbed the shrubbery. Something big. Sure enough, a second later, a snout emerged from the forest. A massive, fur-covered cranium followed. Behind that, the bulk of the black bear came into view. It was bigger than Milo had expected, and even from his vantage point, he could tell the beast was above average. In fact, he didn't think black bears grew to be that big. Its girth surprised him. No wonder the neighborhood had been shaken. If he'd seen a thing, that thing digging through the trash, he might have given the bear hunt idea a second thought. Suddenly, the bow and arrow felt weightless in his hands. The black bear moved out from the brush and into the clearing slowly, back, waddling back and forth, reminding Milo of the YouTube video. The bear in that video had been equally sluggish and in no rush to go anywhere. Milo thought that might change when the arrows began to fly, but he wasn't so sure. He didn't know how many it would take to take down the beast, but he brought two full quivers, 12 in each. He was hoping to only waste one arrow. Hit the monster right between the eyes. The monster. The bear. Were they the same thing? Then the screaming started. Oh my god! Milo wished he put duct tape over her mouth. It would have been better that way, but he had needed something to grab the bear's attention. He couldn't risk it passing by without noticing the bait. He needed it close. He needed it practically on her. So all he had to do was look down and fire. Shoot. Release the arrow and watch it penetrate the skull right between its eyes. The bear spotted Tilda, and Tilda started screaming, really letting him have it. 
Get me out of here, Milo. God damn it, you son of a bitch. I knew I should have left you, you worthless limp dick fuck. The bear jumped back on its hind legs and roared. Its bestial vocalization moved bears from their moved birds from their positions in the trees. It silenced Tilda at once. It gave Milo a rush of adrenaline and coated his skin in goose flesh. All of a sudden, things felt real. There was no going back now. He aimed with his bow and arrow. He held his concentration on the bear's massive target of a head. The beast lowered itself down on all fours. It jogged toward the potential meal tied to the tallest oak tree in all of Red River. Milo waited. Help me, Tilda cried. The bear approached, closing the distance with more speed than Milo had anticipated. The gap between his wife and the black bear slimmed. He looked down that arrow, picturing what it would look like buried in the beast's skull. The beast, the monster, which one? When the bear was about five feet away from Tilda, Tilda, who now screamed and cried and begged to continue on with her lethargic lifestyle, the bear roared again, pushing the hair back off the face of its next meal. The bear took the last five feet in a slow, calculated approach. It sniffed its food before attempting to eat it. This is good, Milo thought. This hesitation on the bear's part would allow him to adjust slightly, allow him to ready his shot, steady his aim. He did so accordingly, making sure he wouldn't miss on the first attempt. But when he was ready to release the arrow, let his fingers slip off the string, he found himself unable to do so. The bear sniffed under Tilda's blouse. She whimpered and turned her head. Then she screamed when the bear opened its jaws and bit down on her thick thigh. It tore away a section of meat, a slab of raw muscle. Tilda screamed until her vocal cords broke. Milo continued to sit in the tree, keeping his aim on the bear, but as time slipped, so did his view of the current situation. He'd come here to kill a bear, a beast, a plate on society, something that terrorized and killed, something that must not live for the safety and well-being of others. But that wasn't the bear, was it? The bear hadn't hurt a soul, not until it had met Tilda Mildock, the real beast, the real monster in Milo's life. The bear ate a piece of the woman's thigh and decided it deserved seconds. It lunged forward, snout first, and tore away another piece of Tilda's leg from her calf this time. She thrashed around and cried out, but she was no match for the all-powerful jaws of the woodland critter. It feasted on her mus muscle, wrestling with the blood and skin, digging its nose deeper into her, pulling away with more gore and muscle, more pieces of Tilda. Milo thought he should look away. He thought he should do something other than sit in the tree stand he'd made for himself, the front row seat to his wife's evisceration. He decided he should end the beast's life. He readjusted his aim and let the arrow fly. It connected true with a wonderful thwack. He wouldn't need another arrow. The beast was dead, and the bear continued to eat. Nice! <laughs> it's, a happy, it's a very happy story it really is yeah you know it's it's very uplifting uh yeah. especially in these times <laughs> did, you, did you hear me chuckle just a little bit <laughs> yeah i did i did i heard you which is why i started chuckling yeah it was, it was kind of difficult not to that, uh, <laughs> it's what it was intended for it's very very emphatic on those last couple of words <laughs> oh man that was um, that. So that uh, so that short story also shows up in the Switch House, correct? Yes. Okay. Is That's that was correct. that just was was that always the intention to have it in there, or was it just something you added in? So the Switch House was shorter than I thought it was when I went to put it out under my own little small press. Um, it was only like thirty-five thousand words or forty thousand words, and uh, I thought. It, the book should just be a little beefier. So I had like three or four short stories that uh, were just sitting there doing nothing. So 
just decided to package them together. And when I put out this collection, I kind of wanted to collect all the short stories together. So I just, I pulled those over. So all those short stories that are in the Switch House are also in Black Star Constellation. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, nothing wrong with that, right? I yeah. mean, it's, it's your book. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so so you just had a release a couple of months ago called Dead Daughters from Poltergeist Press. Can you tell yep. the audience a little bit about it? Yeah, so Dead Daughters is about a uh, family who they're living in New Jersey uh, on the Jersey Shore. And uh, one day they receive a photograph in the mail of their daughter. And she's dead in it in a very brutal depiction. Uh, but it can't be her because she's alive and she's sleeping upstairs as they receive this picture. So uh, it kind of turns into like this, um, this stalking situation where they keep getting threats and uh, the police get involved and it just kind of spirals downhill from there. And the father who's the narrator tries to figure out what is actually happening. Why is this person stalking them? And it's very twisty and turny, I'd say. And yeah, just just a bit twisty and turning. (laughs) I want to say too much. Yeah, I think I think I uh, I said it was like a love child of like Keelan Patrick Burke and CJ Tudor. Uh, If anybody's read either one of those authors, I mean it's it's very like thrillery, and it's also got some really kind of creepy horror, you know, little little punches in it. Yeah. Uh, and you actually did a you did a book trailer yourself for it, right? I did, yeah. My wife and I shot that like our our second week in quarantine. We were bored. I was like, we should make a book trailer for this. We could totally do it because my wife she has her own uh, videography company, so we have all the equipment. And it was just like, might as well just just do it, right? And, uh, and we had a lot of fun. We actually shot it in about twenty minutes. <laughs> that's impressive that's, yeah. i mean it's, it's really well done i'll uh, i'll make sure i link it in the uh in the comments or at least in the synopsis uh i mean some of it's because i'm you know i mentioned there but you know <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah there is that factor <laughs> there is that factor but it's also a pretty cool video so. oh, yeah yeah it was fun. i can't really take credit for really any of it except just having the idea to do it uh my wife actually put it all together she shot it um and cut it all together so that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so and you've got, I guess, two announced projects. Is that right? So you've got I do uh, the one anthology. Uh, is it Midnight in the Pentagram? Oh right? yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, do, do you have more? Because it sounded like I surprised you with that. No, I. Um, I, <laughs> I, I sometimes I lose track of things. What is life anymore? <laughs> yeah, we're just talking about that before we went on. It's like I don't even know what day it is. It's Saturday, right? <laughs> It's Saturday the yeah. 23rd. So, <laughs> and I know that because it's down in the bottom right corner. Right <laughs> there you go. Yeah, quarantine has like made my life crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, Midnight in the Pentagram, I have a short story in that called um, White Wall Purchase. So, okay. pretty excited. And, that, about and that's a pretty big anthology, too. Yeah. yeah. I've seen author, like, I guess, signings. Uh, like month after month after month after month. Yeah, um, it's going to be a big, I don't know. big. Do you know how many in your total are in there? Uh, around 25, I'd say. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's going to be a pretty big anthology. It'll probably. Did you read their other anthology that Silver Shadow? Yeah, the, the Midnight Summer Graveyard. Yeah, I haven't had a chance. I've I've got a copy. This and a chance to read. It'll uh, it'll probably be about the same length as that. So I gotcha. Yeah, I got a copy. I got a copy of it through their. Um, it's like their. I forgot what their book box is called. It's like coffee oh, and coffee thing. Yeah, I got coffee get and zombies that. or something like that. Oh yeah, my, my wife loves the the tumbler. That she's oh, been really? using it. Yeah, I haven't even had a chance to use it. She's been using it since. Oh uh, so. yeah, I gotta get on. I yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, you get some great horror titles, get some yep. you know awesome coffee, and it's a win win, right? Yeah, man, definitely. And then, I mean, you, and then you've got all right. I know. <laughs> If only if I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it delivered here anyway. So yeah. I, can't, I can't get alcohol delivered in Alabama. So, um, and then you, you've got your your big one next year, right? Uh, that's with is that also with Poltergeist? Also with Silver Shamrock. Silver Shamrock. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's called Malignant Summer. It's a coming of age novel. Uh, it takes place on the Jersey Shore, since mm-hmm. that's where I'm from. And uh, it's actually based on my hometown of Tom's River in the uh, the late 90s when um, so basically a, a chemical plant was dumping chemicals into the uh, the ground and a bunch of kids got really, really sick with cancer. And uh, so I basically took that that real life story and I kind of wrapped a supernatural horror story around it. So um there's like a lot of personal stuff in there and I'm very excited for it. It's the longest thing I've ever written. It's like just shy of 200,000 words. Yeah. So it's a really big novel. I pretty much spent all of 2019 writing it. Um, so anyway, I'm like really excited about it. Really proud of it. And uh, I can't wait for June, 2021. Yeah. I mean, it feels like so long away, but it'll get, I know before you know it. Yeah. So are you calling this your magnum opus? Uh, probably. I mean, I don't know. I think, like, it's, I think it's a 200,000 word book. It's, uh, it's, it's weird. Like I'm usually not confident about stuff until like after it's been out. I think it's just like a typical writer thing. Um, yeah. Like we're just, you know, we're never fully confident in our stuff, but like, this is one of the few things that I'm like, I really enjoyed this. Like I've read through it like maybe five or six times and, the sixth or sixth time I've read through it, I still had the same emotions as I did the first time I wrote it. So mm. I've never had that with any other book before. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't think you ever feel confident until you're like at James Patterson level where you can just slap your name on a book. Yeah. If you didn't write it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like super <laughs> critical of myself too. Like I'm overly critical of myself to a fault sometimes where it's like I hit the, I hit a part in almost every novel where I just want to like set my computer on fire and be like, I'm done with this. I don't need to do this anymore. This is, this is torture, but then I get past it. And then, uh, It's like a typical writer thing. Every writer. Yeah. You, you walk away, you have a beer, you come back and you yeah. start doing it. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, you walk into work and then you walk out one day and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm done. I quit. I'm putting my two weeks and the next yeah. day you're, you're doing the same thing. You're there. <laughs> You just gotta go blow off some steam. Yep, exactly. Or drinks or drink six beers. I mean it's it's one or, or, or ten. <laughs> or ten. Yeah. Just black out. Come back and say, what, what was that writing? <laughs> oh man. Well uh, uh I'll uh 
I think I'll just end there. I mean, I I, I didn't want to make this super duper long, especially yeah, uh, considering you know we were really just going to do a reading. But it's been great chatting with you again. I, I, I feel always. like uh, I feel like I know we talk a lot on Twitter and so forth, but it's always nice to catch up and see how you're doing. And yeah, man, same. Um, looking forward to uh, to your magnum opus next year. And yes. uh, but you. but more looking forward to the anthology. I'm looking forward to your short story in there. I know uh, the anthology is going to be great. And of course, I've read Dead Daughters, and everybody that's that's watching or listening, definitely check it out. Uh, it came out from Poltergeist Press in February. Is that right? I think it came out in April. Was it April? I, it was. I read it in February. That's what it was. Yes. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Special advanced copy. I did. I was I was very lucky. <laughs> but yeah, um, so we'll look forward to that. And um, and yeah, just just thanks again and thank enjoy you, man. The rest of your Memorial Day weekend and stay safe and you too. I'm not going anywhere, so unless I get injured in my own house, which is possible, uh, I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. If you uh if you need anything else, holler and we'll uh we'll try to do this again. All right, you too, man. All right, thanks.